Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Local Success Podcast, where the mission is to admire, get inspired, and take action. Today, I am joined by Dr. Chris Funk. Dr. Funk is the director of the Climate Hazard Center at UC Santa Barbara. He works with an international team of earth scientists to inform weather and famine-related disaster responses. Dr. Funk is a co-author of the book Drought, Flood, Fire, How Climate Change Contributes to Catastrophes. Dr. Funk shares his passion of helping others by trying to protect the earth we live in. He gives tips and advices on how to achieve success while staying true to yourself and having a well-balanced life of family, job, and personal life. I hope you enjoy the chat. Thank you, Dr. Chris Funk, for being on here today. I appreciate your time. I wanted to have a conversation with you regarding your life, what you got into and what you're doing and how you're following your passion. So you can start off by just telling us where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot, Ricardo, for having a chance to talk with you today. Um, yeah, my name my name is Chris Funk, and uh, I was born in um, Madison, Wisconsin, and lived in rural uh, Wisconsin and Indiana until I was 14. Uh, moved to Santa Barbara for a few years and went to high school, um, went to college uh, in Chicago, and uh, graduated with a degree in kind of philosophy of science. Mm. Uh, which was completely useless, but I managed to uh, uh, kind of have a friend of mine with a math degree help me get a job working in the options industry. Like, you know, this is the guys in the pits who are waving and yelling. And so I worked as a computer data analyst for them, what you would call now a data scientist. We didn't really have the term. Um, And so I did that for quite a long time, uh, about about eight years, and uh, moving for different companies. And, you know, it was really, you know, I was really good at it. I was really good at, and still am good at working with computers and data sets and things like that. Um, But it just kind of was leaving me really empty. And so I I found myself on the weekends driving down to the south side of Chicago and back to where I went to college and going to the, the library and kind of roaming through the library and looking at books on statistics and things like that, mm-hmm. which is a pretty weird thing to do. <laughs> but but that sort of led me to the conclusion um, that I should drive my motorcycle across the country and come back to graduate school here in, in Santa Barbara. Mm. And uh, that that was a big decision, and uh, but a good one. And what was the end goal with that? It, you know, it wasn't... It, I just knew that I was not fulfilled okay. and that, uh, you know, I needed something more. And, and so I had a friend here who was in the geography program. And so I came here and started uh, working first as a programmer and then, you know, as a, as a graduate student. And uh, I just really um, fell in love with it. You know, this was working, you know, this is sort of before you had Google Earth and, mm. you know, all these technologies, but we were working with maps and images from satellites and computer programming, and it really fit my, my skills and interests. And uh, there uh, I met my wife, Sabina, around that time, which was very important. And uh, I also um, started um, volunteering um, to work uh, with a guy there by the name of Jim Verdon, who uh, was a scientist for the U.S. Agency for International Development's Famine Early Warning Systems Network. Wow. And um, 
you know, you're probably too young to remember this, but like like a core event when I was in high school was the Ethiopian famine, mm-hmm. and that killed more than a, a million people, and you know it was a, a big thing for for my generation um in part because like my favorite band the boomtown rats the guy bob geldoff was a big fundraiser for the event and so i got kind of as a high schooler i was like you know did fundraising for them and and so you know many years later when uh i got this opportunity to work for famine prevention you know as a climate scientist and a programmer that that was really exciting for me and uh i basically have been doing that since um the late 1990s actually so when did this passion kind of to solve these issues that are maybe not so talked about but are very prominent when did that start happening in your life well so i i I got interested in working in climate science um first and then you know i met um uh, this friend of mine jim verdon and and saw the opportunity to do something that i was already passionate about but in a way that could help you know, the poorest people, the hungriest people on the planet. And so that was just kind of like an awesome double dip, you know, where you got to do the thing that you found really interesting to help, you know, some people really in need. And and so that, um, you know, that's been, you know, what I've been doing. And then I, I graduated with a PhD and we started this climate hazard center at the university. And we're, we're still going strong with that. And we um, work a lot with scientists in Africa and Central America, which is a really neat part of it. And then, and then the other thing that has sort of happened in that intervening almost 20 years, you know, is that, you know, when I got interested in doing climate hazards, it was just to help poor people in Somalia or mm-hmm. Zimbabwe. I mean, it was a very uh, targeted, you know, objective. You know, it was enough to help a few people. That's all. You know, that's all. That's it wasn't like a big grandiose thing that we were trying to do. But sort of in the meantime, you know, climate hazards and climate change has become this thing that's you know facing a lot of people all over the planet. And so, um, you know, it's a terrifying and rewarding <laughs> career. I think. I'm curious as to. Um, I wonder. When did this passion of helping start, right? You haven't mentioned that you wanted a job that was high paying, that you wanted to have flashy cars. You know, you, you mentioned right away that, that you wanted to help people. Where is it in your heart? Where did this come from that you wanted to help? And not just help, but really, you know, solve an issue that's pretty big right now. Well, I mean, I think I would go, honestly, all the way back to to my grandmother and, and being raised in a, in a you know, a Catholic family where the idea of trying to help people, you know, was, was always uh, important, you know. And, um, and so, you know, but I didn't, I mean, despite the fact that I was, had that sort of as a, as a you know, as a young person, you know, when you go into the business world, there's just no, there's no outlets for that. And, and so the world has really changed, I think, in a positive way. So, like, you know, when I graduated from college in, like, the mid-1980s, you know, you only had a few choices. Like, you know, you went to work for industry, you went to work as a professor, you know, or maybe you went to work, you know, for some kind of, you know, humanitarian organization. And, 
there wasn't uh, there weren't positions that were sort of intersections of those things you know so now um, you know I work as an academic I work as you know a kind of full-on a pretty hardcore scientist but I get to do it for humanitarian purposes you know and I think even in the private sector there's also you know a lot of those sort of emerging kind of positions where people you know are um, interested in, in perhaps making some money but also doing good in the world that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you viewed success maybe in college and how has it changed uh, to now how did you find it back then and has it changed is it stay the same um, well yeah I mean I mean it, so in, in in college you know as I said like I was a philosophy major and and I was really like literally living in the ivory tower mm. and I didn't really think much outside of that and uh you know, it turned out that actually those skills have proven pretty useful in the real world, like thinking about why things happen or what are our basic assumptions and how do those color our thoughts, you know, have, have turned out to be useful skills. But um, success for me at that time was very internalized. But then, it, you know, I kind of graduated and I walked out, you know, my dad bought me a suit and a briefcase for graduation. And he's <laughs> like, here you go, son, good luck. You know, and I was totally clueless. And so I didn't, I had never really thought about what uh, success might mean for me in the real world, mm. you know. And it took me kind of a, you know, a long time, you know, not, not to, you know, it didn't, you know, I was working, so I was making a paycheck. But in terms of actually being successful in the, in the sense that I was contributing in a way that I, that felt meaningful took me, you know, a long time. Mm. And now, do you believe you you are there? Is it you still have a lot of work to do there, or how do you feel about it now? Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty much. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I mean, for me, um, you know, I have gray hair. You can't see that on the, <laughs> on the podcast, but you know, I'm of a certain age, and you know, as I kind of enter into the the you know last ten years of my career or something. Um, you know, I get to devote more time to help other people be successful, you know, to help them find their, their passion. And, and that's, you know, a nice part uh, of my career that, that wasn't so much there 20 years ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot there that's still exciting to me, you know, and I get to work with... Uh, colleagues in Africa and Central America, you know, trying to do their jobs better. And that's challenging, but it's also interesting and exciting. So that's, you know, um, defining my success, not just in terms of my personal achievements, but the achievements of the people that I helped mentor is pretty rewarding. Nice. Um, you mentioned your wife real quick. Um, talk about her and the importance of having your partner in life, a teammate that pushes you and believes in you. Ah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and tells me what to do. <laughs> makes life so much easier. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, my wife, Sabina, is just like a, a force of nature and is just incredibly creative. 
and you know I get almost like daily inspiration from her from just seeing her love of, of building things mm. and creating things I've had the pleasure to meet her obviously in you and I've seen just her little notebook that she carries of her drawings and she's so humble about it but <laughs> she's incredible yeah yeah and and, and, and also um, you know so uh, really so constantly gaining new knowledge and information you know, she's still, uh, you know, every day for her is a new adventure of learning and, and doing something she's never done before or reading about something that she, that she didn't know the day before is really, is really impressive, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, our maybe 25 years together has just been, been really fantastic. Talk a little bit about, I know you guys enjoy traveling, and, and so talk about that balance of professional life and following your dream, but at the same time, combining that with a bit of personal life and family, and is it challenging to get things done that way, or how do you feel about that? Mm, well, yeah, and so, I mean, my wife and I are, are different in the, the sense of kind of professional interests. You know, she is amazingly independent. That she does not need to be doing a job and getting all kinds of like external, you know, laudits for doing this or that. She's just happy to do what what she wants to do. Whereas I'm, you know, kind of a more. I like people think, "Good job, Chris. You did good." You know, and so. Um, you know, so I kind of fit well in a university setting where you're kind of like always being tested, right? Mm. Um, but but one of the things that uh, has been really healthy for me is, you know, Sabina setting very clear limits. You know, like we will have dinner together every night. Mm. You know, we will take a long vacation and travel in, in Europe. And, you know, we will take weekends off. And, you know, and I think that that... Uh, it has been fantastic for me. It's certainly been fantastic for our children. And having that kind of, you know, work-life balance is really healthy. Do you think if it wasn't for her, maybe you'd be a little too much of a workaholic and she puts that balance in you? Oh, absolutely. I think I, think, <laughs> nice. I, think I might not even be alive right now, Ricardo, if I wasn't for that. That's awesome. Well, that brings me to the book that you wrote a couple years ago, Drought, Flood, and Fire. Talk a little bit about that experience, uh, how time-consuming that was, and how how that was how was, that was for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the, so the you know the book grew out of you know, uh, my work in famine prevention in Eastern and Southern Africa, and the uh, insight that that work you know gave me about how climate change were making kind of naturally occurring disasters more intense and then you know harming the people that I was working to protect and that seemed like a important story and then the government shutdown happened in 2018 if you may remember that mm -hmm. for a while and that kind of gave me a chance to kind of put together this this book proposal and I had a good friend of mine who was uh, works at an academic press at the University of Chicago, and he helped me kind of craft the proposal. And then I, I shipped it around, and it's a, you know a really um, kind of audacious book in the sense that, in a really unique way, it tries to combine personal stories, 
um, accessible descriptions of how the climate works, you know, plus uh, a lot of kind of hardcore science facts about how climate extremes are impacting us right now. And it just, uh, I mean, you know, honestly, I had no idea whether the book proposal was going to get accepted, but I wanted to try to stretch myself in terms of being a writer, hmm. and this seemed like a good way to, to do that. So, I'm sure these are loaded questions, but are some, what are some of the things we can do as a society to help with your cause, to prevent what's going on in the world? Well, I think the two, you know, the, the, the two things that I think are of immediate you know, importance are, are simply to, to do what we can do to reduce emissions. And, you know, as Californians, we know that we can do a lot. This state is a good example of really being, you know, pretty darn effective. And, you know, I, I think that the there's a lot that we can do that really, you know, isn't... Like, one simple thing that people in California can do, Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. is you can switch, you know, California Edison to, like, a 100% renewable electricity plan. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, costs you, like, just marginally more than your regular plan. And so there's lots of those kind of things that aren't um, really burdensome that can make a big difference. And and then another thing that I'm, I'm struggling with in my, in my day job is we're just not responding to some humanitarian disasters uh, and this big increase in famine that we're seeing all over the world. And so that's, that's a problem as well. Mm. Um, what are some of the next steps you want to take in your career? Is there anything that you feel like you haven't accomplished yet, that, you're, that you have a goal or? Yeah, oh, I've, got, <laughs> I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of goals, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, some, some kind of top-of-the-shelf goals for me is developing new data products to help us track extreme temperatures you know, in, the, in the global south, in the developing world. Um, working with um, meteorological agencies in places like Kenya and Zimbabwe to improve their services. And uh, I'm hoping to expand that work. And then I'm doing work um, focused on, you know, kind of longer lead climate forecasting um, where we can use information about events like La Nina's and El Nino's, these kind of big climate, you know, impacts that that uh, affect you know, climate in Africa, but also like Ecuador, mm-hmm. Colombia, you know, all over the world. And so I think that there's more predictability there that we can exploit to help safeguard lives and livelihoods. Awesome. You have, you talked about the importance of, of a mentor, mentors that you surround yourself with. Talk a little bit about that process of finding someone that you can trust and, and kind of rely on them. And have you been on the other side of that as a mentor yourself? Um, I hope. Well, for the second, the second is, is I hope so. Mm-hmm. You know, the, though I also, you know, I have to say it's can be humbling to to try to be a mentor. <laughs> you know, but I certainly have have tried to mentor quite a few people. Um, I, in terms of, I, I've just had the luck of of finding a few fantastic mentors, or being found by, or you know, I don't know how. Um, so I don't know if I have much great advice about like looking for mentors, but I, but I do think that um, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but just you know, kind of being your authentic self and pursuing you know the things uh, that you love doing 
will help you find those those like-minded people you know and so you know that led to 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 me finding or being found by my friend Jim Verdon so many years ago because we were just doing things that we shared as common interests and even more recently like I I had a book opening at Chaucer's for my book and um that uh led this um a gentleman, Pierce Dunn, who's like a very, very respected businessman who's kind of retired now and is looking to do humanitarian work. Mm. And so he he kind of reached out to me, and I, I, I think he's sort of becoming an, a mentor of, of mine, which is wonderful. And mm. it's just, so it's just, uh, yeah, I think if you be yourself and pursue the things that truly interest you, um, that seems, in my experience, to help like, lead to mentors. Mm. Um, is there anything that you would have done differently in your career or do you think you've kind of got kind of gone to plan looking back at it now your early years in this field yeah, that's a great question I mean um, I, <laughs> I mean there's certainly things that uh, that didn't go well you know I mean um, you know like failing out of the physics program when I was, a, you know, a freshman or, uh, you know, kind of wandering around from job to job for, for, for numerous years after college. But it's like, when you put that all in the mix, maybe that's, you know, if, if, if everything had gone perfectly smoothly, maybe I would have not ended up here mm-hmm. where I think I'm really being kind of uniquely productive. And, uh, you know, so I've kind of not walked a straightforward path but that led to a really interesting set of skills and experiences that um i think are providing kind of a unique contribution so you know i, I it's hard to know what <laughs> you know even you know sometimes even mistakes can be uh, things that lead you down a path of growth that are, is good in the long run yeah what's some advice that you have for people that are trying to enter this field or enter this kind of um you know, idea of, of helping the world and, and trying to stop some of these issues that we're having. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, I think that, I mean, one of the things that, that has, I think, been useful for me is having the skills to be useful and focus on doing useful things. Mm. You know, so, uh, so you know, I've, I've had good quantitative skills for example good computer skills and then you know early on i decided that you know it, i should focus on you know mapping and predicting rainfall just because it was like not because it was sexy or super interesting or anything right mm-hmm. but it was like well that seems useful we all need to know mm. how much water there is and 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 that's really you know been um for me a big part of my success is just picking that one thing and and it turns out that yeah we really need we really need um to know about that and so i mean that's just one example but i think um thinking about what is useful and how what your particular skill set can do to provide something useful you know is a good path to success and that's a pretty generic <laughs> I, would really, I really like that idea of being useful. It sounds simple, like you said, but it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. When you th- if you think about every action that you have 
for it to be useful for something in the world. I mean, that's how we change the world little by little. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, and in, you know, and certainly in my case, it was nothing. It, it's not about being flashy, right? You know, it's not necessarily about the thing that everybody else thinks is the most, you know, um, because often the most useful things are not the flashy things, right. you know, um, you know. So, uh, kind of thinking about um, bread and butter issues as opposed to perhaps, you know cayenne pepper (laughs) (laughs) got it well thanks Chris I want to be respectful of our time if you want to end up on any other notes anything that you want the the audience to know and if you want to plug your book a little bit where we can get it what exactly it's about and sure sure um yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I just want to thank you for your show. I mean, I think that it's so cool that you're doing what you're doing oh, and talking right. about all the different ways to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so important for this time. Um, and then uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll plug my book, Drought, Flood, Fire. Uh, you can get it at Chaucer's here in town or on Amazon. It's it's not very expensive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully it's an interesting read for you. And... Um, yeah, I just want to say thanks again, Ricardo. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll touch back and see um, how we're both doing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you all for tuning in today. I hope it was as valuable for you as it was for me. Please hit that five-star rating if you're enjoying this podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at local.success. See you next time. <laughs>